Amen, church. If you guys can make your way to your seats, we're going to get started in about 20 seconds. doing this morning? Are you guys excited to be here? Woo! Well, 
blessing out, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes. 
spectacular event. I know we had so many of the campus people that were singing and playing music and helping out with, with set design and all kinds of different things. So if you get, let's give it up for the people that served in that capacity last night. And I know the after party went to like 11.30, so there's a bunch of people that were super partying it up last night. And so we're all feeling a little bit tired, but we're not going to let, we're going to let, let the energy of last night carry us into our worship here this morning together. Amen. So what we do want to ask is please, if you guys have any, spare, any seats next to you, let's fill in the gaps a little bit. Let's not leave any open seats because it's going to get crowded in here. So if you could move more towards the aisles, that would be great. No open seats. Uh, if you're saving a seat for your Bible, your Bible doesn't need it. Uh, but we're going to say a word of prayer here, and we're going to continue on with our worship service. Amen. So let's bow our head. Father, we really just want to thank you so much for your amazing love and your grace. You are the love of our souls. And I just really want to pray that this morning, what we bring to you in worship will be pleasing to you, God, that you'll be with every element of the service today. Uh, but that, Father, we, are, we, we all leave here today feeling like we, we, drew closer to, we drew closer to you during the time that we spent here today. We love you so much. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to sing an old, an old goodie. There's going to be a few acapellas that we're going to be singing here together today. So we want to encourage you guys. This, God really doesn't really care as much about the music as much as he cares about our voices. So let's really take advantage of this and sing out to God. Amen. Amen. We will glorify Give me an F sharp, please, real quick, Brian. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords. Who Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before his throne. We will worship him in righteousness. We will worship him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all.
Good morning, church. It's great to be with you guys this morning. You know, today as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want to talk about heroes. You know, uh, there's a bunch of hero movies coming out. I mean, Hollywood has actually had a gold mine the last 10 years because of uh, special effects and modern technology. We've been able to create uh, these movies uh, with our, some of our favorite comic book heroes, which we couldn't do 10 or 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I know a couple weeks, Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out. People are excited about that. I know Wonder Woman is coming out. I know, like, the third rendition of Spider-Man is coming out. you got Thor, Black Panther. I mean, you know, we love superheroes. And what do we love about superheroes? We love the fact that they're strong. Uh, superheroes are brave. Uh, superheroes have superpowers. And let's just be real and admit that we all have our own little fantasies about believing if we had our own superpowers. Come on. You know, superheroes, you know, it's good versus evil. And if you're rooting for the evil guy, you, you have some issues. Uh, you know, superheroes are, are sacrificial. They lay down their lives. Uh, they fight for the oppressed. But I think also as superheroes, for some of us, I know for me, 
Uh, we, we appreciate the human element of some of the superheroes because some of them have some weaknesses. And that's why, by far, the best superhero from a comic book perspective is definitely Spider-Man. And I know you have your opinions, but for me, it's Spider-Man. I mean, how can you not love Peter Parker? I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, he's gullible. He's, you know, he's just kind of, you know, a little bit nerdy, a little bit wimpy. And, and even after he gets his superpowers, he still struggles with the human factor. And, you know, I just, I just love Superman. And, you know, Sam Newman a couple weeks ago reminded me, you know, we all have some heroic moments in life. And I had a funny one when I was 16 years old as well, or maybe I wasn't even quite 16. But our family actually decided to borrow our uncle's very old motorhome, which was mistake number one, and decided to drive it from Arizona to Oregon. And this motorhome actually broke down uh, in the middle of Nevada. And there's not much in Nevada as it is. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, unfortunately, this motorhome actually, it, it literally exploded. It caught on fire. And the, the motorhome started to fill with smoke, and I have no idea what came over me. Uh, but I actually somehow found the fire extinguisher in the motorhome. I ripped the fire extinguisher out of the wall, leaving a hole in the wall. I like ripped the, the bracket and everything out. I dashed out of the motorhome. I dove underneath the motorhome, pulled the pin, and put out the fire. And... And if you know me, that's not me. So I have no idea how that happened. I mean, my mom and dad were, like, stunned. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know I realized where the fire extinguisher was. I never even had operated a fire extinguisher, so I don't even know how that happened. Uh, but anyway, I, again, that's kind of like my one heroic moment uh, that I had. And, but, you know, what do we appreciate about heroes? I think the greatest attribute that we appreciate about heroes it's just the willing to be able to sacrifice, the willing to be able to uh, lay down uh, one's life for somebody else. And I think of, you know, our modern-day heroes are certainly our military, uh, certainly police and, and firemen and other first responders. And really what they do on a daily basis, which is amazing, is they say your life and my life is more important than their own life. And that's amazing. That takes humility and that takes a lot of sacrifice. And truly, the greatest hero, of course, is Jesus, who modeled this perfectly in his lifetime on earth. And let's read a passage, famous passage in uh, Philippians chapter 2, and verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that, the same of that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, Jesus too said that your life, and my life was more important than his own life. And I think this is the greatest attribute of a hero. You know, we also have many moments in our own lives daily, I'm reminded daily, where we get to have these little heroic moments. And when I look at my own life, of how far I fall short of just being a hero just on a daily basis. I mean, I look at just my own lack of patience and the struggles I have with, with anger. That's kind of my Achilles heel. I mean, I, I had to apologize to my son today already 
And I think of just the shortcomings of failing to maybe preach the gospel or share the gospel with somebody. I think of when I neglect the poor or the needy. I think of when I blow it with my own family members and I don't lay my, down my life like I should. You know, when I compare my righteousness to Jesus, I truly need saving. I need sa- to be saved. I need a hero in my own life like Jesus. So let's think about these things as we pray, as we think about the greatest hero that allows us to be here and have communion with him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for being the greatest hero. God, we all have heroic moments in our life. We all have moments when we blow it. Thank you, God, so much that Jesus never blew it so that we could be here. Jesus never blew it in saving us. and never blew it in laying down his life. He never blew it in proving to be the greatest hero the world will ever know. Thank you so much for the blood that was shed, the body that was broken, that allows us to be here, to have fellowship with one another, and God, to have fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Kevin, for the uh, communion to help us focus our minds and our hearts. And uh, we never knew we had a superhero in the church like Kevin Burroughs. A little known fact. So now uh, we're going to do the uh, offering. And it's really a time to remember uh, why we give uh, here in the church. And I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can turn there if you want to. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. And following, it says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all, have, all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And this is a good reminder to us, you know, uh, when you're about my age, and some, a lot of us are kind of in that middle age group, when you've, uh, you've uh, finished school, you've got a career, you have kids, maybe some of your kids are out of the house, and you, you settle down, you have a home, and you kind of get comfortable, and you sometimes you kind of look around, and you say, wow, things are going pretty well. You know, I did, I did pretty well for myself. You know, some of us are in college, and we're, we're starving students. But you're in college, okay? That, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. But we, we have to remember that the Lord has given us all these things, that all we have is from him. And we can't get comfortable and get proud. And as we read on in Deuteronomy, verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And we forget, you know, that it is not from my power and your power that you gain wealth. You know, you think about it. What caused you to be born in the United States, right? What caused you to have the parents you have? What caused you to have the influence you have in your life? We could have easily been in some other country, uh, maybe even uh, died early, you know, because of war or famine. You know, there is no uh, a guarantee for tomorrow. We, we just saw this in San Bernardino, right? The special ed teacher is not with us anymore, and that seven- or eight-year-old boy is not with us anymore. We've all had uh, different people have had health uh, challenges, you know, like uh, Rene Iram, we're praying for him. Eleni just went through a significant surgery. You know, the hospital where I work at, we recently worked with a guy who, 30-year-old guy, he's got a young baby, who was in uh, a different city where he lives, uh, rolled out his window, and this guy tried to carjack him, and he, got, he was shot twice. He, and right now he's paralyzed from the waist down. Now, hopefully uh, he can recover from that. But 30 years old, and, I, you know, when I, was, when I was getting ready to see this guy, I was imagining many times we get gang members who have had gunshot wounds. But when I saw this guy, this guy is not a gang member. It's just so sad. So everything we have, the ability to produce wealth, to have jobs, to go to school, to have what we have, is, does not come from our flesh and your energy and your intellect. 
It comes from Him. And when we give, we have to remember that. We don't give because it's ours. We give because it's really His. And we have the ability and the, and the, the uh, opportunity to give back to Him for all He's given to us. Let's all pray. Father God, thank you for all that we have. And help us not to grow proud and not to hold on to uh, the stuff that we accumulate. It's really uh, not worth anything when it, when it all comes down to it, Father. Help us to give cheerfully and, and gratefully. And, uh, Father, to give out of our gratitude for you pulling us out of the darkness. God, we're, we're grateful and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Fran, for leading our thoughts in the communion and the offering. appreciate that a ton. Uh, a couple announcements for the congregation. Uh, I do want to put before you on May 21st is our annual World Missions Special Offering. And uh, we, we take that up every year. This year it's May 21st. I know we've been talking about it, had a several devotionals on it. Uh, we're going to really work uh, to make that a great success to you know influence the work we're doing locally, but also worldwide, especially in the Middle East. So please put that in your calendar, May 21st. We're giving that that offering. Um, you know, I'm really excited about our new young leaders of the singles ministry, Mike and Libby Rock, helping oversee the singles ministry. And they're training up Hala and Abe and all the other singles that are helping out. But uh, I'm excited. They're, they're doing these outreach evangelistic uh, events uh, to pull people in. They're having an, a big event on Cinco de Mayo. It's a Cinco de Mayo event, a party. And why do disciples have parties? To have fun and bring friends and show them, hey, you can have fun and do it the right way. Amen. So they're going to do that on May 5th. Uh, they're registering. We want that to be just over the top awesome. Uh, so please see Terry. Uh, she'll be in the, uh, in the foyer today. We're beginning registration for that. And then we have an announcement about... Mother's daughter, mother daughter tea. So, Aaron. Good morning, church. So, I'm here to um, invite you to a special event that uh, where we're going to be honoring our mothers, and this will take place on Saturday, May the 13th, from 10 to 11:30, and the cost will be $10 per person. Um, it will be held here at the um, at the building. And everybody, everyone is invited to come and join us. It will be a special event. We have a lot of things planned for you guys. And I think that um, it will be a great way to honor your moms on Mother's Day. Thank you. Awesome. There is a family group leaders meeting today at 315 uh, here in the building. So I want to remind the family leaders about that. Some training and just a once a month meeting. So let's all stand up. Before we have a song, and we're going to hear the Word of God preached by Mike Rock. Amen. We're going to sing a great song together. Stand in awe. Just just really sing out. Let's really sing out. 
I've known him as a young college student. I've watched 
him grow up and to see the passion that he has still. To listen to Robert Carrillo share his story. And Robert's one of those guys, you talk about growing up in the barrio. He grew up in the barrio and had about as rough a background as you could possibly have. And to see what God was doing with him and through his life, it just, there, there's a vision that that creates. That no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how messed up you are, God can do amazing things. And I remember feeling that when I was younger. But I couldn't help when I was there last night but think, could God do that now for me? At this advanced stage of whatever it is, could God still take someone as broken down and as gnarled up as I am and do something with my life? The answer to that is obviously, it's obviously yes. I, I love, I love the songs that we sing to kind of help get our minds focused in on God. The, the song that we were singing earlier, Falling on My Knees, I Called, You Answered. How many times in my life have I just not known where to go? Not known what to do, and the only thing I could think of is just cry out to God. Beg for God to intervene. Now, sometimes that would be simply because I had not done the work I needed to to prepare for a test. And so I'm getting ready to take a test, and I know I don't deserve it. I know that I'm not prepared, but maybe God will somehow miraculously intervene, make me smarter than I am, and better prepared than what I should be. We do that all the time. Tax time comes around. And you go and look in your checking account. It's amazing how spiritual people become at those moments. We all of a sudden want God fix everything. The amazing thing is, God will. In spite of the fact that He has to know that we're using Him, he has to know we haven't talked to him for weeks. But all of a sudden, at this moment, there's been a tragic car accident and the life of someone we love is on the line. Jesus, please hear me! And yet in the middle of even that, God hears our prayers. I called. He answered. Kevin's story about being a superhero. I can see him in his little red and blue jammies, dressed like Spider-Man, <laughs> throwing himself under the burning mobile home, all of a sudden pulling the pen out, ripping that thing out and saving everybody. That's Kevin in his mind. I had a life-size picture of Spider-Man painted on my wall growing up. Because there is a part of every one of us that wants to be a hero. We want our lives to have an impact beyond what's rationally 
reasonable to expect. I can't sometimes get past the reality of life, though. It's overwhelming. To see the news, I had uh, been in Texas for a couple weeks in meetings and had a number of evangelists from overseas, from different, different places all over Asia and and uh, even in the Middle East. And, and the, the number of people that asked me, what is going on with the U.S.? Now, they weren't just referring to the church. They were referring to our country. I mean, you can't look around and not feel like there's something weird going on right now. It's just kind of one of those, those times. But I was a child of the 60s. And you think this is weird and divisive and everything else. That's kind of how the 60s were, too. And we had a period in the 70s that were kind of like that. That really has been our history. There's always been stuff going on. But they were also talking about in the church. One of the reasons that we met was to ask, what's going on in the church right now? Where are we? See, there have been those times where we were like those college students last night where we believed we could do anything. And then there have been other times when we're just kind of waiting for the final bell to toll. And last night, it hit me that no matter where I'm at in my life, I want to have that vision. And I want to have that inspiration. I want to believe there's still a hero inside of me. That somehow, somewhere... We can take wherever we're at, and we can rebuild it to something that's so powerful and extraordinary. Last night, Vince was saying that the world will never solve all the racial issues. The world will never solve all the divisions, whether it's politically, whether it's economically, whether it's nationally, or, or, or whatever else. The only hope the world has is right here in this room. That we have the answers. We, we can cross those barricades. I want you to look around the room. Go ahead. Take a good look around the room. I guarantee you this is one of the most racially, socially, politically, and economically unique groups of people. There are people from every walk of life in the world right now. And it's not our differences that pull us together. It's the common cause that we have. The title of the lesson today is Let Us Rebuild. It is time for us to rebuild not just the church, but maybe it's time for us to rebuild our own vision of who we can and who we want to be. For so many of us, we've become so much like the world that sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between us and the people around us. That's what happened to God's people throughout history. They would recognize a need. They would cry out to God. God would respond. Things would settle down, and the people would drift away from God. Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah, because we're going to look at a period of time that... And the reason I like this section of Scripture 
is because you've got three separate books that really talk about the same situation and time frame. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. They were all contemporaries. And they're all written about a time period where it was recognized that God's people had drifted so far away from God that God literally let them face the consequences of where they were. And in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, Nehemiah says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. He said, he looked around, saw the state of God and God's people, and we're going to see this in chapter 1, and he realized that because we had gotten so far away from God, God let life happen. Here was their state. For 70 years, they have been a captured and a subdued people. They are slaves. They've been enslaved. And it wasn't just slavery. They took families. They would take the Lansbury family, and they would split each one of them up and send them to a different continent. They made it impossible for there to be these connections and and bindings that kept people together. And they were treated as nothing. It was like you see going on in so many places in the Middle East right now. You see how the Christians are being treated in some of these countries. That they're, they're being systematically put to death. Well, that is in a very real way what was going on with the Israelites. And you can't even imagine if, you know how you feel about your kids not even being able to pray in public. Imagine if just having a Bible could get them killed. And that's really the circumstance the Jews were living in. They were not just captured. They were humiliated. They were degraded. And the destruction of Jerusalem was a symbol that God's people were nothing anymore. And at this period of time, Nehemiah, who's a slave, is also the cupbearer of the king. And that's a unique job because in some ways it was a very prestigious job. Because the only person who could serve in that capacity had to be trusted by the king. And yet it was a slave. Make no mistakes. Nehemiah, for all the the prestige that came with that, he was a slave. His job was to make sure that the food or the wine given to the king wasn't poisoned. He was 100% disposable. And yet somehow in the middle of that, God put it on Nehemiah's heart to start thinking about what if. What if? I want to look at three things that I think stand out as you dig in and you study the Scripture. Because I believe we're in a similar situation. Internationally, there's chaos all over. Nationally, we can't, we can't agree on much of anything. 
We are probably as divided a nation as we've been in a long time. But even in the church, I'm not sure that our heart and our focus is where it needs to be. And as I've been studying out in Nehemiah, there's three things that I want to take a look at here that I think we have to grab onto if we're going to change and see God begin to do some miraculous things again. Number one, Nehemiah was moved by the state of God's people. That meant simply that he took time to consider where are we really? And over the last month or so, I've been doing a lot of self-examining. During the time I was in Texas, not only was I in meetings, but I took an extra week just to kind of figure out where am I? And spending time by myself praying and reading and just thinking about who am I, where am I, and what do I want to be moving forward? Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. Nehemiah has people coming in and telling him about the church, about God's people. And as he hears news about where they are and and what's going on with them, in verse 4, he said, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. He's literally saying that I had to take time to take some assessment. Where are you at spiritually? Where are God's people at? Do we shine? Are we what people are drawn to? Do people look at us and see and feel God's presence in our life? Now, I think we've got some great examples of so many different things in the church. But I think overall we've got to look at what is the state of the church. We're about to start construction on the facility here. But let's say we build a great building, but if we're not where we need to be, it's just a pretty building. And there's a lot of pretty buildings out there. But what if we take the time to really do some heart searching, soul digging, and figure out where we're at? That's all Nehemiah was saying in chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? It may not seem like a big deal, but there was an edict put out that no one should ever speak negatively No one should ever not smile. No one should ever not say how great everything was in the presence of the king by order of death. So Nehemiah, as a servant, whose job is to drink the the wine or eat the food before the king, is now coming into the king's presence, and this is several months, maybe up to six months, from the time that he first recognized the state of the kingdom. And I think the reason that it took six months was he knew that to approach the king with what he was about, to approach the king, to request of him, could cause his death. This is a man who's lived with that possibility for years. And yet there was something 
so frightening that it took him time to build up the courage to do this. This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid. And I think sometimes when we start to examine ourselves, what we realize is we're stuck because we're afraid to believe that we can change again. Or we're stuck because there's that particular sin that we don't seem to be able to get past. And if people really knew where we were at, what would their reaction be? Fear keeps us from the power of God. Fear cripples us. Fear takes from us the hope of the future. I was very afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. There's that positive encouragement that was demanded. Why should my face not look sad? This is incredibly bold. So he acknowledges, yes, everything's supposed to be communicated that it's great in the kingdom. But this servant all of a sudden makes a shift and does something that no one else in the court would be willing to do. And that is state the truth about conditions in the king's kingdom. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins? Do you know who had created that circumstance? It was the king. He's saying, why should I not be down when I look at what you've done to the city of my father. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. It takes time sometimes for us to build up the courage to acknowledge where we're at. But if we're going to begin to let God do extraordinary things in our life, we've got to take the time to do that. This is a family. This is supposed to be a safe place. This is a place where you should be able to come and just get gut level real and honest and have help. Number two, Nehemiah took personal responsibility for the condition of God's people. Now, he was absolutely responsible for what he's responsible for. And so are you and I. You and I are guilty of whatever we're guilty of. But to recognize the part that we've played in getting the totality of God's people where they are, we're just one of a million dominoes. And yet, Nehemiah didn't look at it that way. He didn't say, well, well, don't blame me for where it's at. He literally comes before God in verse 6 of chapter 1, says, let your ear be attentive, your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you, Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. He is not minimizing anything. He's saying, you want to know what's going on in the country? 
You want to know what's going on in the church? It's because of where I'm at and where you're at. It's all of us that are responsible. See, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear anything but good news. What we want is to hear, boy, everything's great. The kingdom's great. We're blowing it up. But what if that's just not where we are? And sometimes we have to take stock, not only of where we are, but what got us here. What got us here are the times, and quite frankly, I get up late and I just don't want to spend time with God. Or I'm too busy, so I'll grab a drive through prayer on the way to work. What got us here is me recognizing that's where I'm at, and so making you feel okay if that's where you're at. And pretty soon, we're comforting each other, because Christians like to comfort each other. But what we've done is we've created an environment where instead of approaching God with awe and humility and an amazing awareness of what God can do, we just water things down a little bit. And we become like society, more accepting and more understanding. And all of a sudden, things that we would never even believe would be possible become common occurrences in the church. How do we get here? Individually and collectively becoming more and more like the world and forgetting God and who God is. Last night was so loud. And it was. And... Someone was trying to talk to me, and I, I would have to stop and pull my earplugs out to try to hear what they were saying. And then I'd put them right back in. But it was the Spirit. It was awesome. There's something about being around that environment where you believe anything is possible that can make old people young, that can make Struggling people strong that can make unbelieving people believe anything's possible. It can take a marriage that's damaged and weak and can bring it back to the courtship where the possibilities were born. But the third and final thing that you see in the story of Nehemiah is something that I felt last night. Because Nehemiah not only had to take stock of where things were at and take personal responsibility, he had to rally other people into action too. Because by himself, he was not going to be able to do what needed to be done. And I want you to hear this. I am so grateful for the church. I am so grateful to be a part of of this group of people. And I mean that. I'm not down on us in any way. If anything, I am up on us. I, I was so proud last night to be there. And I remember where we were last year. 
at the reality. Last year at the reality was the day before Jake was appointed as an evangelist. At that reality, I got a phone call that Scott had relapsed. There was such a confliction of emotions going on. Because on the one hand, I've got a son overdosing. On the other hand, I've got one about to be appointed as an evangelist. You know what that's called? Life. Because life has highs and lows all the time. But to look at what God's been able to do in one year, because this year, reality, Scott is sitting beside us. Grateful for that. Sitting beside him is a friend of his that he met in one of the rehab facilities who just got through graduation as well. And his mother and father we've been able to reach out to, and and they live in the area. They're very open to spiritual things. Sitting beside him is one of Scott's high school girlfriends, somebody that Kim Lemos and Scott went to school with. And they're there worshiping God. And I couldn't help but tear up and think about what a difference one short year can make in God's presence. So we were singing the song, Fallen on My Knees. I called, you answered. Libby's crying and Normally I think that's because she looks and sees me. (laughs) And I get that, because that's how I feel when I look at me in the mirror in the mornings too. (laughs) There's part of me that wants to be that red and blue pajama Spider-Man like Kevin. But the reality stares me in the face every day. But why she was really calling? She called. He answered. What a difference a year can make. Think about Rudy Navarrete, one of my best friends. There's not a lot of people that are like me in here in so many ways. Rudy and I are very similar to each other in, in some ways. Uh, thank God we're not just alike in every way. But I've known Rudy for a long time, and I've watched Rudy walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Been there with Maria and the kids. Rudy started crashing about the time Scott started crashing. Matter of fact, the first time we knew we were in trouble, we were on a family vacation together. Nine and a half years. One decade ago. Where Rudy was at last year, at this time, I had told him I didn't know if I could be around him anymore. Because he was so cynical and jacked up and just seeing him 
cause pain. I called. He answered. Seeing Rudy there. Seeing him here. That's God. See, I may not know where you're at, but I know where you're at. And whether you're experiencing the highs or the lows, that's life. And one day it's going to be rainy, and the next day it's going to be too hot. Or it may all happen the same day. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 18. I love this passage. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me. And what the king had said to me. They replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Sometimes all it takes is us stopping and listening. And you may have earplugs in, but sometimes just the, just the spirit, just the vibration, just the enthusiasm can take us from wherever we are to think about and dream about where we could be. Roman Navarrete's birthday is today. And I appreciate his baby sister coming and telling me that. Because it made me think, man, I wish I'd have got him something. But I was turning around watching him sing a little bit ago, and I looked down the aisle, and they're all together. I called you answered. Our God is an incredibly powerful God. He can do so much with so little. And it doesn't matter where you're at or where you've been at. What matters is where you choose to be. Here's my challenge. I want to encourage you to take some time to figure out where we are. And let the reality of that move you. Number two, I want to challenge you to take personal responsibility for what you've got to take responsibility for and the role that we play in letting the walls around the temple of the Lord be torn down. But then I want you to lift your eyes and see what God can do. The world can't come up with a solution but there's nothing God can't solve. And let's rally each other together, come together, and let's rebuild the temple of the Lord. Amen? Uh, Mike, uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, he gave us uh, three challenges there at the end. I don't know if you wrote them down. Uh, I wrote them down to figure out where you're at. 
You know, I appreciate Mike being so humble. He confessed where he's at. Did you catch it? He wore earplugs at a worship service. <laughs> because he's old now. It hurts his ears. <laughs> Mike, that was great humility from you. But then he, he talked about taking personal responsibility. And there's just nothing... Nothing more we can do is take a look. What do I need to do? Where am I at? What do I need to do about it? And honestly, be honest and look at the scripture and you see how Nehemiah says, I confess. I take responsibility. This is not a one-time thing. It's something we have to do every week in our Christian walk. Uh, and then the last thing is to, to, there is faith. There is Jesus. There is hope. There is victory. And, you know, Mike, I'm, so, I'm grateful just so you know that Mike came to the reality event which was for the whole L.A. church, but it was a single teen and campus event primarily. But it was awesome to have Mike. I think he was the oldest. No, my mother-in-law was there. So he wasn't the oldest one there. there. Oh, Bruce is there too. He was old. So, And Robin was there. And Bobby, were you there, Bobby? You're awesome, Bobby. has nothing to do with physical age. It has to do with your spirit. So I want to commend the Inland Empire. We by far uh, supported and, and were energized by and, and were just the biggest part of that entire event. Uh, there was w- well over 1,500 people there. It was an incredible event for the L.A. Church. Thank you. Uh, we want to take it higher. So let's, let's start rebuilding. And that might mean personally in your own life, uh, in your family group. Certainly here, you know, we're, we're, uh, we always need to rebuild the foundations of our faith. We need to rebuild our, our vision and our hope. We need to rebuild. Maybe it's just your time with God, your quiet time, your prayer, whatever it might be. Take the challenges that Mike gave, and uh, God's going to do incredible things. Let's stand on up, and we're going to have a closing song. Amen. Well, it's been a great worship service together. We're going to close it out powerfully, singing glory, glory, hallelujah. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet, while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on In the beauty of the lilies Christ was born across the sea With the glory in His bosom
as he dies to make men holy. Let us die to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We do want to remind you, the Peace Walk packets are going to be available in the foyer. If you have not gotten a packet for the Peace Walk, please go get that in the foyer as soon as possible. It will be out there in a box. Amen. And please pick up any communion cups on the ground, any communion cups you see on the floor. Thank you.